Hello there, welcome to Into the Fire, where every week we go into the fire to clear the smoke on today's hot topics. This week I'm really fortunate to have Merle West with me. Uh, Merle's the owner of Facilitating Excellence, and Merle, if you don't mind uh, taking a minute and telling us what you do and what Facilitating Excellence is all about. First of all, Rob, thanks very much for inviting me to come on to Into the Fire. Really have been enjoying watching the show uh, prior to this. Thank you. Uh, my business, as you said, is facilitating excellence. And what we do is we help organizations hire, develop, and retain exceptional people. Okay. And we do that in a number of ways. Uh, in the hiring process, we make sure that they put the right person in the right job at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that really does is help with corporate culture. Right on. Cool. Yeah. So I know one of the things you really wanted to talk about today was um, personal accountability. And I know that in this day and age, in a lot of cases, people don't necessarily look inwards as much as they should. Did you want to kind of expand on some of that personal accountability? Personal accountability is its interesting. One of the... Uh, products that my company mm-hmm. offers are disc profiles. Mm-hmm. And right. on some of our disc profiles, we assess people's capacity in, say, the 25 top skills that people want in a business. Right. Uh, and I was, I had the, uh, I don't, I'm not sure it was a pleasure, but I had the opportunity to work with somebody <laughs> recently. And my number one is personal accountability on the 25, mm-hmm. and hers was number 25. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how do I deal with this? I've got somebody who um, is blaming others right. for things that go wrong. Uh, and the last place she ever would look was to herself. Right. And it was it was a bit of a challenge. It's interesting because, you know, I was talking with somebody uh, the other day about blind spots ah. and how we all have our blind spots. Now, does your uh, personal accountability start kind of helping people see them? Because I know we've all got them. We just don't know that we have them. Yeah. Do you know yours? Uh, I'm aware of some of them, but probably not all of them. And I've got a, a family that's more than happy to point some of them out. <laughs> you know. Yes, I think we can always count on our, our family to uh, let us know what our, mm-hmm. our... And the funny thing is we're different with our family than we are with our professional life in many in many cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm a communication expert. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm a communication specialist. Right. Uh, and I can go out and do a workshop on communication, including self-awareness and, and accountability. And yet when I get home... It's almost as though that's a different world, and I don't have to do those same things that I teach others to do. Right, and you can turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> well, well I know, unfortunately, I, know the I wish yeah. I wish I didn't, but sometimes mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. 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 No, I know the same thing. Sometimes it's just nice to go home and, uh, you know, just relax. And, and I don't know if it's be yourself, but it's maybe be a... You know, there's the work personality and who you have to be at work and the different things. But sometimes it's just sometimes to go home and sit down and relax and not be that person that's on or the, the owner or the manager yeah. or the boss and just kind of kick back, put your feet up, you know, and throw on some sweats and not Well, care. and you talked about accountability and, and sometimes our families are the ones that help us to recognize our own foibles and, mm-hmm. and where we need to do that. Uh, can I tell you something that I've done recently that is a really good kind of case in point for what we're talking about. Uh, one of the things that we look at in our disc profiles mm-hmm. is your, uh, well, not your personality, but your your behaviors. Right. And there's right. an emotion attached to each of the disc factors. And mine is trust. I'm a very high trusting person. Right. And I did something recently, um, which was a direct result of being trusting, that cost me $200. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch is right. Yeah. Um, I have a very high level of trust, and part of that means that 
I trust where perhaps I shouldn't. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to accountability and recognizing or being aware of my own characteristics, um, the voice inside my head that was saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, wasn't Mm -hmm. loud enough to stop me from... Mm-hmm. spending this $200. Couldn't protect yourself from I could yourself. not protect myself. I, <laughs> I was scammed. Yeah. To be honest, mm-hmm. I got a, an email scam. Uh, mm-hmm. It was from somebody that I knew really well. I just had breakfast with him in the morning. Right. Uh, he knew that I had a really busy day, what mm-hmm. I was doing. <clears throat> and the email said, would you go and pick up two $100 gift cards? I'm with somebody that needs to send these to her dad. Right. And my little voice said, gee, funny thing to ask, but because I trusted him, I went out and I did it. And the good thing is I still have the $200 because I didn't send him the email with the thing. I sent it to his cell phone and he said, oh, gee, I got these, but what are they? Right. And as it turned out, the scammer didn't get them. But but I have to balance my trust level mm-hmm. with discernment. Well, and it's interesting because I fall into the same kind of category you do. I tend to trust people first and mm-hmm. then uh, learn the lesson after the fact. And that's not always good. Um and it was funny that the, this was actually going to be one of the questions I, I had for you was giving trust versus earning trust. Ah, and okay. I am I am like you. I tend to give trust first, right. and and what I've learned now, uh, it's interesting. One of the fellows here has kind of helped teach me this lesson. But trust but verify is is a statement he makes quite regularly, right. and I think it's a great statement because it allows you to trust the people, but then it holds, still holds you accountable make sure that they did what you asked, right? Holding them accountable for sure and trust but verify. Mm -hmm. um, The one category that I really like that kind of fits into that is in order to verify, you have to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And one of my biggest things that I'm working on right now is getting people to ask productive questions, assume nothing. Right. Because what we end up doing is we don't ask questions because we believe that it makes us appear to be less than knowledgeable about a topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in doing that, we end up making really big mistakes. Whereas if you had gotten the information and just said, okay, what don't I know that I need to know before I go ahead and make this decision? Do you think that people don't ask questions a lot of times because of ego? Do you think that they're Hmm. just ego or pride? Um, I know I'm the guy in the room that probably asks the dumb questions and I, <laughs> you know, I'm not afraid to kind of put myself out there in front of the team and, and ask those things when I think of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of people out there that, like you say, they're going to sit there and go like this and they're, and they're waiting for something to happen for them versus saying, I know the question I want to ask, but I'm not because I need to be seen as a leader. Does that make sense? I think there's a lack of comfort uh, that some people have, too, in expressing themselves quickly, assuredly, and they want to make sure that Mm -hmm. they don't look inane or silly asking the question. Right. Um, I'm like you, though. If I'm sitting in a group and somebody said, um, oh, IT, and that's a, a very small example and if I didn't know what it was, I'd say, pardon me, could you tell me what IT is? I don't, right. I don't know that term. Mm-hmm. And then they'll explain it. Right. Um, and I do it sometimes even if I do know what it is because I know there are people in the room who are reluctant to ask. 
And, and it's interesting because we live in a world of acronyms now. It's funny how <laughs> the military's <laughs> taken over so many other aspects of our lives. But, we sure do. But, uh, you know, it's the same thing in business. There's so many different acronyms now. And you're sitting around a table and, you know, they're spitting them out and you're going, what's that? What's that? What's that? <laughs> and I and so, have no idea. Sometimes it's acronyms. I was working with a, a designing a, a training program for an organization and uh, the fellow that was working with me as a subject matter expert, mm-hmm. he decided that PowerPoint was the way to go and he'd have 200, 200 words in a slide, but he had a, a symbol in the corner and it was a thunder, a lightning bolt. Right. And I said, Don, I said, what is that? And he said, mm-hmm. oh, well, clearly it's a lightning bolt. And I said, but how does it relate to the material? It doesn't. I just really liked it. And I said, the yeah. problem with doing something like that is it's out of context and people will ask themselves, what does the lightning bolt have to do with the material? Mm-hmm. And you'll lose them because they're trying to make the connection. Right, yeah. yeah. And we do yeah. that with words. We do that with icons. Yeah. We do that with a lot of things. Yeah. Okay, interesting. You know, because the uh, you know, same thing in the marketing world, I'm always looking at different things that we can be throwing into places here, there, and everywhere. Right. And, uh, you know, like I say, you got to make sure that what you're doing is kind of on topic with what's going on. So, you know, I want to take us back to the accountability part for a minute and just uh, ask you, because you're, you know, you're the expert here, and I'm hoping to learn a few (laughs) things from you. Um, How do you teach accountability? Um, I'm not sure that teach is the right word. Okay. Uh, First of all, I think that if people understand why accountability is so important and Mm -hmm. what it gives to them. Right. uh, In other words, if you are accountable and you accept responsibility for your actions, whether mm-hmm. they are failures, which right. people are loath to do these days, or whether they're successes, or whether they're just your ideas. If you own them, um, people know that they can trust those ideas. Mm-hmm. And so I try to help people develop the why. Right. Uh, and sometimes you get them to develop the why by looking at what are the results you're getting now by not taking accountability. Like, who's who's suffering by you blaming somebody else for things happening. Mm-hmm. And and how does that stunt your growth? Right. Um, I ask like a thousand questions trying to get people to not, not, it's not up to me to tell somebody to be accountable. It's my job to help them to understand how important it is today mm-hmm. to be accountable for your actions and to take responsibility. Okay. Interesting because one of the, the comments you made there was uh, people are still uh, fearful to discuss failure. And I think we've moved into an era now where people are understanding that failure is an opportunity to learn and an opportunity to growth. It, uh, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing, not that you want to go out and, and fail day after day after day, but, you know, the opportunity to take those moments where you right. had a failure right. and grow from it. Do you still find that people are, are very fearful of embracing the opportunity to fail? I think we've developed... A need to be perfect, mm-hmm. a need to appear to be perfect, a need to be expert at something. Um, and I think what it's done is it's created a fear of making a mistake. Right. And I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, everything I've learned, I've learned because I screwed it up the first time and <laughs> and, I, and, and because yeah. I, I have a high level of self-accountability, I stop and say, okay, what part of that was your responsibility? Mm-hmm. And owning it and then figuring out what, how to change it to make it better. Well, absolutely. Even yeah. even the lessons learned on uh, just the simple things in life, like setting up a banner or something like <laughs> that, right? <laughs> you case, never know. Good case in point. Good yeah, case. good case in point. <laughs> you know? and, that's, and that too, you know, it's really 
really funny. I'm short, and yeah. you have a beautiful banner here with bison mm-hmm. fire on it. And and I've learned over time that you you have to really know how to put them up, and you get a tall person to stand beside you because often my mm-hmm. reach doesn't get there. But yeah, I could show you a way around that if you're curious. Oh yeah, oh, I'd yeah. really like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? That opportunity for failure, and, and you know what? Uh, whether it's a small thing, and I'm joking around about the banner, but uh, the opportunity to learn from that, or yeah. the opportunity to learn going forward on a bigger project. Yeah. There's every opportunity to learn, and if you've got a learner's mindset, you're able to grow from it. Yeah, I actually would love people to adopt a characteristic of curiosity. Mm -hmm. I always want to know why something uh, something works, why it doesn't work, um, how do I... Mm -hmm get it to work better, who can I ask? Right. Um, and what can I ask them? And what is their level of knowledge? And mm-hmm. all of those questions really open the world to uh, working, first of all, working with others. Because right. the the smartest thing I ever did in my life was work with people that were smarter than I was. Right. And yes. then instead of being jealous of their expertise, I just watched them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. if they had something that I thought really worked, then I would adopt that same thing. Well, and it's interesting, too, that, uh, you know, people always talk about stealing the best ideas from others. And rip off and duplicate. Absolutely. absolutely. Or <laughs> rip off and improve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you know? can do that, too. And, uh, you know, I, I always laugh about, uh, you know, people that are, you know, copying what you're doing as a form of flattery yet in business i often say you know i wish the competitors would stop flattering me so much so much oh no that would be good but i'm i'm a facilitator and mm-hmm. and people come and say oh gee i really mm-hmm. liked um i really like that activity you know mm-hmm. can i use it and i said of course you can use it yeah. and there's anybody that holds their knowledge in or doesn't want to help somebody else mm-hmm. is somebody that is fearful that that person's going to take over for them it's right. it's not going to happen right. i could teach everybody to facilitate the same activities that i do they will do it their way. They may improve on some things. They may not do things quite as well. Mm-hmm. But it's them, not me. Right. And I don't have any fear that anything that I give somebody is ever going to come back and be used against me. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's funny. I talked about this actually in season one uh, with, with, say, our management team as an example. Uh, how can I move a manager up to a new level right. if they haven't backfilled the role behind them? And ah. the only way they can do that is to teach them the job, teach them the skills, teach them all the things that they need to do to be able to do that job so that you can move up. And if you're not taking that time or you don't have the self-confidence, you're probably not going to move up yourself. You're going to probably stay exactly where you are. Yeah, and you're, you, I think, hit the nail on the head there. It's a lack mm-hmm. of confidence. People are afraid that, oh, somebody's going to come and take my job or mm-hmm. they're going to do it better than me. So what? Right they do it better than you good for you you yeah. can then learn something from them mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. or you know we've had the opportunities here too where people have left the company and you know talking with the manager that you know was his report and he was a little bit down in the dumps you know you know we worked with this guy and he's left and blah blah blah, blah. i said did he leave a better person than when he showed up did ah. you take him to a new level right and he thought about that for a minute and he kind of smiled and said yeah i did so then he did your job and he moved you know. on to an opportunity that, you know, it wasn't a case mm. of not liking where he mm-hmm. was. It was a case of finding something that maybe was uh, a step up for him. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I can talk about bringing people up, but, uh, you know, and we always do. We always want to work with that. That doesn't mean there's an immediate opening available, right. but we maybe made them a better person and sent them out there. Mm-hmm. And you now have a friend re- friendly relationship mm-hmm. with them going forward. And you know, maybe when the time comes... They're willing to come back and say, no, this is the company that took me from here to here. I've stayed here for a long time because the new place hasn't taken me anywhere else. And now there's an opening for me to come back and go to another level. Well, and not even come back themselves, but they may be your best referral source for new employees. Absolutely. 
<clears throat> they know what you did for them and they're they're thinking I've got somebody that would really benefit by being in Rob's company. Right. And we're always ha- happy to do that because yeah. y- it's amazing. We talk about, you know, your external sales force and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just that person that's talking highly about the company. Yeah. You know, they're saying, you know what, when we worked there, we did this. And when we worked there, we did that. And it was great. And we had a ball and they're out there promoting you. Mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. Know, and that's what you want. Yeah. No, you want people to know that you are uh, industry leaders when it comes to getting along mm-hmm. with people in interpersonal relationships. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of bring this back here a little bit. We also talked to, uh, about the importance of self-awareness. <laughs> <laughs> self-awareness, what an interesting topic that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's your, what's your idea of self-awareness, Rob? Well, self-awareness is knowing um, what I'm doing when I'm in the room. You know, ah, so okay. am I um, happy? Am I mad? Am I, um, what am I projecting out okay. to the room? Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So if I'm in the office here, and we talked about this I'm going to say a few weeks ago on the show, uh, as a leader, people are looking to see what I'm doing, whether I like it or not. Mm-hmm. I am a gauge uh, around here. Right. And so if I'm in a good mood, that radiates around the building. If I'm in a bad mood, that also radiates, but it takes a team. I have a choice, take them up or take them down. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean being fluffy or, or, um, or a false sense of happiness. But I can choose between being a happy person or an angry person or, or sad or upset. Right, right. So I need to be aware of how my mood or what I'm doing affects the rest of the team. Right. And I think self-awareness is not only recognizing how, what impact you're having on others, but it's also recognizing what your touch points are where something that somebody else says will have an impact on your feelings or mm-hmm. or the way you feel about yourself or the way you do your job. So right. um, I've known people that have been pushed to the point where they're working with people and they recognize a hot button or somebody has said something. Uh, they know themselves or they've trained themselves to recognize that this, they don't want to say anything because they know that the next thing out of their mouth isn't going to be a happy thought right. uh, or even kind. Mm-hmm. So they will excuse themselves <laughs> And they'll walk around the building. They'll just head to the door and leave for 10 minutes and come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's self-awareness. That's when you know that you you can't trust yourself to say what you really believe is important. You might let your emotion get in there ahead of you. Right. Uh, but the other point you made, being aware of how you affect the world around you, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's a, a happy mood or whether it's a grumpy mood. Some people choose to be ornery, or I, I have one friend, I call her prickly. Um, (laughs) they choose to be prickly and they're perfectly aware of what they're doing. So they don't lack self-awareness. They, they've just made a choice that puts them in a position of, um, and I don't know whether, whether they want to distance themselves from others or whether it's just something they, they choose to do. But they believe that that particular, um, mood or, or, behavior will influence the people around them the way they want they them want to be them influenced. To. Right. And I good would or say bad. Good or bad. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've had people like that as well that, yeah. you know, thought that if I am tough and if I'm hard and if I'm demanding, uh, the people will be fearful and they will do what I want them to do. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and I think you get exactly the opposite because you're creating stress, uh, you're creating fear, you're creating all these problems and it takes the team down. They don't want to bring ideas no. forward. They don't want to work harder because they're afraid that they're going to be in trouble for what they're doing. Yep. And the other interesting thing that kind of came to mind, you know, when I said, uh, you know, the moods and it's not fluffy. I mean, people read body language as much as they read what you're saying. So you can you can talk all the happiness, but if you've got a scowl <laughs> on your face and you're you're dragging your knuckles and your arms, you know, and you're doing that, yeah, people know it. 
even if you're walking around, you know, singing about sunshine and lollipops, it's just, <laughs> no, you know, and, and, they, they read it yeah. on you. So you can't fake it. And good communication. And people will always go to body language to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what the words are uh, right. and even tone of voice. But if your body language does not match the words you're saying, mm-hmm. they always opt to believe the body language. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how would you go about increasing somebody's self-awareness? Oh, increasing somebody's self-awareness. Other than putting um, a six-foot mirror in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> My question is always, what impact is your attitude having on people that you care about? Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to work in the morning and, for example, something's happened, uh, you're in a bad mood or you're frowning or you're in a state of malaise. Right. What impact do you see on the people around you when you're in that, are they, for example, are they afraid to come and talk to you? Right, yeah. Um, do they invite you out for coffee? Or do they give you your space and give you your time? Right, uh, yeah. And when people stop and think about it, because we don't often, if you're in the middle of a crisis, are you aware or are you thinking about anything except solving the problem? Right, yeah. You know, um, are you aware of, the options that you have and are you aware of the people around you? Not often. So you, you get them to stop and look at, okay, what's the, what impact is this having on your ability to fix the problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What impact is it having on the people that you work with? Okay. What impact is it having on your family? Yeah. 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 Because, and, and like you we, say, every part of that's tied together, yeah. you know, I mean, because what you're doing at work does come home with you, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, you, uh, you know, when we talked about it earlier, how you're kind of, you know, one person at work and a different person at home. But, mm-hmm. you know, like you say, if you're having a bad day at work, sometimes it comes home with you, whether you like it or not. And, or, you know what, if you're having a great day at work, same it's thing. the same thing. You know, you're coming home and you're clicking your heels and you're, you're, you're singing again the sunshine and lollipops. And, but what does that do around the house too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, funny because when, as, as a facilitator, and I do, I do many workshops, and if I have a workshop where I've got engaged people where mm-hmm. they're uh, participating and they're part of the group and they're, mm-hmm. and they're there they're actually present mm-hmm. in the day I go home I do the dishes I clean the house I uh, plan things I'm mm-hmm. just good I'm full of energy mm-hmm. if I go in there disengaged right and it's like pulling hen's teeth to get them to participate or share an idea or work in a group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, that's some cultures. Are, are, uh, then I come home, all I want to do is sit in my big easy chair, close my eyes and doze yeah. off. It, yeah. it does have an impact on you. Mm-hmm. I know a lot yeah. of times I like to bury myself in a good book. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> uh, you know, but you made a, a, an interesting conversation or a comment there uh, about engagement. Mm-hmm. Now, as a facilitator, right. and I'm going to say this is similar to running a meeting, whether it's with your own team or right. anything else, how or do you have some tips or tricks or, or things to make sure that your team is engaged throughout the entire meeting? I do. Actually, I have a whole one-day workshop where I <laughs> teach facilitators how to do that. Um, you want to make sure that if you, first of all, I always start with what's the purpose of the meeting? Mm-hmm. And I, if I'm asked to attend a meeting, I always say, what what is my role in the meeting? Mm-hmm. Am, I, uh, am I bringing an expertise about something? Am I um, offering a suggestion? What is my role? Right. But in terms of engaging people, don't be the person who's doing all the talking. Assign mm-hmm. roles to people. You mm-hmm. might have a timekeeper. You might have somebody who um, you have a limited amount of time and you want to make sure that the meeting runs according to your timetable. Mm-hmm. Get somebody to be the person who... Like let you know you got a minute yeah. left. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, if you have something and you're you're charting it, you're putting it on a flip chart, you're putting it on on a whiteboard. Don't be the scribe. 
get somebody else to be the scribe, get somebody mm -hmm. up at the board doing this for you. Well, and it's interesting because you can't facilitate and be the, like you say, the scribe or the note taker at the same time yeah. because you're, you can't do the dual job. So it becomes very distracting for those in the, in the room. Right. Because, you know, you've talked about something, now you've stopped to write it all down. Yeah. The other thing you could do is do uh, have people work in pairs. Mm -hmm. You've you've let an idea go. Maybe you're not getting the input that you want. Say, okay, um, rather than us doing this as an open session, just, you know, John, you talk to Harry. Harry, you talk to, or Bill, mm -hmm. you talk to thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm just going to give you, going to give you a minute. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Good point. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to give you just one minute mm -hmm. and I want you to come up with one, one idea. Okay. Just come up with one idea, but get people thinking and not sitting there statically listening to conversation. If it's information, make sure they have it ahead of the meeting, give them time mm -hmm. to read through it, analyze it, come up with questions and say, I will expect one question from everybody. Right. Um, so that you've got people that are involved in what it, whatever it's almost it is forced participation about. because you they know need sooner to force. or later. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, who wants to say, and everybody says, uh, oh, meetings are boring. Well, yeah, if you're meeting because it's Tuesday and that's your only reason, it probably would be boring. But if right. you if you have a purpose mm -hmm. and people know what the purpose is, well, what was the old saying that that meeting could have been an email? Uh, it could have been an email. It could have been a te it could have been anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. We wasted an hour on something that should have yeah. been an email. And if you're getting together and you have a specific thing, pick one thing, meet mm -hmm. on one thing. Don't right. don't have a topic or don't have an agenda that's you know ten topics long. Right. If there's something you really want input in, mm -hmm. that say the purpose of this meeting is to discuss and come to some decision with regard to this or to solve this problem. Right on. Okay. Yeah, there's all kinds of things you can do. It sure is. Man, it's, uh, like I said, we could probably talk about this for, <laughs> for another hour yet. But well, uh, there you go. But uh, is, is there anything you want to share about your company with everybody, uh, you know, before we wrap up? Uh, um, my company is, I've, I've been doing what, I, well, one of the first things, my husband says, um, you know, why don't you retire? And I said, from what? <laughs> um, it's really hard to retire because I don't really work. I do something that I love and work mm -hmm. by definition is anything you're compelled to do. And nobody is compelling me to do this. I right. just, so you I have a purpose. I have a purpose. And, mm -hmm. and when you see somebody get an aha moment, uh, that's, I mean, yes, I do like getting paid, but the aha <laughs> moments are, are really fulfilling and I yeah. really enjoy doing that. Uh, but my role, I'm trying to reach some less served communities and I'm uh, working on a new series of online workshops okay. and I've called it Management Primer Essential Skills. Okay. So whether it's a new manager, somebody who hasn't got a lot of experience and they're they're put into the role and they're looking for some really quick ideas and things that will help them because managing, what you're doing is you're you're the process gets managed, but what you're doing is managing the people. Right. And you have to you have to learn to be present with people mm -hmm. when they're there. So uh, some reflective listening, some empathetic listening. What does that mean? Uh, you have to learn to be assertive. You te I'm teaching them coaching skills, things like that. Things right. that, that are absolutely essentials. If you want to have um, a good working environment for your people, people need mm -hmm. to know... Um, how to demonstrate respect. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and it, it sounds yeah. so simple. It yeah. sounds so simple, but, you know. I, I was at a seminar, uh, I'm going to say a couple of years ago now, uh, the World Trade Center, uh, okay. Marriott Muller had put it on. Right. And, uh, you know, we, they were talking about employment and where do you find employment and where's the real struggles in that area. And one of the things I kind of got up and said is understand these days, our struggles aren't necessarily in finding the technicians or finding the workers. 
our struggles, and when I talk to other business owners, right. this seems to be across the board, is finding those good, well-trained middle managers because they've been promoted into that, mm-hmm. but they don't know what they're doing, and they haven't been properly trained. So what you're talking about there is really, really important. Yeah, so, so just I'm looking at, at some essential skills like giving and receiving objective feedback, which mm-hmm. is a really important skill. A lot of people I was in, I was doing a workshop a couple of weeks ago, and somebody said, oh, um, I use the terms positive and constructive feedback. And she said, well, I haven't heard that before. And I said, well, what have you heard? And she said, positive and negative. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's coming from people who don't realize that feedback is simply information. Right. You know, you're not, you're not, your intention is to maintain somebody's self-esteem and not cut them off at the knees. Right. You're just giving them information. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's one skill that a manager really needs to know how to do. How to, how to challenge somebody's behavior without challenging the person themselves. Right, without taking them down. Absolutely. So that, asking uh, productive questions. And one of the things uh, that we're working on is, is running an effective meeting. Cool. Making sure people know some of the mm. tips that I was just telling you. Right on. Well, you know what? Yeah. I think that's probably it for today. You know, and I think we really have cleared the smoke on a lot of these sort of things today. So I really appreciate you coming in, Merle. I really appreciate you know, the opportunity, Rob. Yeah, thank you. We will see you next week. As always, please, uh, you know, check us out online, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram, Facebook. The podcast series is out there now. So we want to make sure that people are checking us out on, you know, Apple or Spotify. And if you get a chance, please just you know like, comment, or share the information that you hear if you like it, because I enjoy the online conversations as well. You have a great week. We'll see you very soon.